Okay, all right. You've landed on Island 49. I'm your host, Weston Smith. As promised, just back to kind of recap day three of the 2023 NFL draft. So rounds four, five, six, and seven for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, biggest surprise for me is that we made all six selections. I had mentioned previously that I thought there was an opportunity where they could be really conscious of players that they wanted to to target, maybe at some positions of need, package some of those later picks and even some later picks next year potentially uh, to slide up and down the draft board. But uh, they stood pat and made all six of their selections. I'll say this. Good, not great, but the bar was low considering what took place the, the evening prior in rounds two and three of the draft. I think we... They took the opportunity to target some positions of need. Um, I think we could have done a better job. I'll, I'll talk about, you know, one of the biggest shocks for me outside of just making all six selections was the lack of addressing a, a very particular position. But again, all six picks were made. So in round five, pick number 155, you had Daryl Luter, Luter Jr., the cornerback from South Alabama. Um, and round later in round five, pick 173, you had defensive lineman Robert Beal Jr. from, from Georgia. In round six, 216 overall, linebacker D. Winners from TCU. Um, in round seven, first pick in round seven uh, for them, 247 overall, tight end Braden Willis from Oklahoma. Um, at, again, in round seven, 253 overall, wide receiver Ronnie Bell from Michigan. And then to cap it off, round seven, 255 overall, linebacker Jalen Graham from, from Purdue. So let's pull these apart. It, it's a little harder, admittedly, to kind of keep pace with all the, the collegiate athletes that might garnish later round picks. Obviously, really easy to scout and get tape on You know, some of your, your first and second round talent. Uh, but here in round five, 155 overall, Daryl Ludu Jr. from South Alabama. Um, Admittedly, don't watch a lot of South Alabama football from everything that I can tell. I'll start here. Position of need. I, I think we absolutely need depth um, at the cornerback position. I think you need opportunistic players um, that fit the build and have a knack for for finding the football. Can't help but st feel like Steve Wilkes probably um, had a lot to do with, with some of these defensive players that came off the board um, in rounds four through through seven. But, you know, around Luter Jr., uh, great name, right? D-back who's out there looting you. He's all Sunbelt Conference. Uh, I think he picked off, what, four four or five passes in, in his career as a starter. Um, so we'll see. He's going to compete for a roster spot. And he's certainly, I think all these folks here um, have opportunity to play on specials. Uh, but depth was, was surely needed. I, you know, again, better where we're targeting the right positions here i'm feeling a little bit more confident you're going to notice a common theme across some of these folks though as well so if you get to the next pick in round five 173 overall defensive lineman robert beale jr from georgia he's an edge guy um i just remember a strip sack fumble in the sec uh, championship game in in this past season but and i got it written down here so i won't remember fully but he's six four almost 250 Ran a 4-4-8-40. So you're talking about high-end athletic traits on this individual. So, hey, let's take a risk. 
Put him with Chris Kasurik. See how that goes. Can he mend and mold that individual? Still raw from a, from a pure talent standpoint, but the intangibles, that's a big man moving at, at, at fast speeds if you can tweak some aspects of his game. Opportunity to make an impact, especially from a, a round five pick. So happy here. I understand it. Plus side traits. Like I think that's, you know, here's the giveaway. I think that's the, the concept around, you know, a lot of these picks. And even when you slide into six, the sixth round, 216 overall, D. Winters, the linebacker from um, TCU. Another guy, again, I have him written down, undersized, 5'11", 227, ran a 44940 as a linebacker. So definitely probably is better suited, like at least size and build is like a safety in the NFL, but that's the new modern day, you know, um, off the ball backers is they're just able to fly sideline to sideline. Uh, explode right through those those holes and and he'll have opportunity and then i trust we've done a pretty good job under this regime in developing late round linebacker talent to to be premier players um in the nfl so i like this um i remember him having a big game against michigan in the college playoff semifinal the game that tcu won um over michigan so i think he i think he's going to provide some impact Either way, I think he finds to the 53 and this guy's playing special teams. You know, that kind of build, that kind of body, that kind of speed, um, a lot of experience in the collegiate level. I, I see him making an impact on specials right out of the gate. And then we get into round seven and, you know, arguably I think a, we took a with the first pick that we had in round seven, a more impactful tight end, um, at least immediately, than we probably plucked late in round three. Uh, the tight end from Oklahoma, Braden Willis. Um, big guy, 6'3", 241, feels very much like an, an H-back, um, not uber-athletic, uh, but a, a very talented blocker. You know, we'd run a lot of two tight end personnel. Wouldn't be surprised to see this guy, you know, midway through the season, find his way onto the field, you know, opposite George Kittle. And just now you're playing with six and seven offensive linemen um, when you're trying to wear down a team and, you know, bolster the running game. Great opportunity here. I think why... While the previous tight end, uh, Cameron Latou, um, he's he's definitely probably has better skills, um, but I think he's more of a long-term project. And I think the way that an, any other tight end outside George Kittle finds their way on the field is being a really solid blocker and a little bit of competency in the passing game. And I think Braden Willis um, is going to have that opportunity to see the field uh, much sooner. Just don't know if his upside um, is as high as the tight end from from Alabama. Favorite pick that we made in this entire draft is 253 overall in the seventh round with wide receiver Ronnie Bell from Michigan. From Michigan, to me, just like Mister Reliable. Um, we get a lot of Michigan games out here on the East Coast. I'm sure you know the rest of the country does as well. They're they're a big ticket item for primetime games. That being said, uh, I know he's a little undersized, six foot. You know, maybe he's six foot. You know, maybe he's 190 pounds. He's not a blazer. He's a four five you know, high four, five, 40 guy, but he's just reliable. Um, and he makes a lot of, I would say, crucial catches and big time plays as well and contested catches. He's got a, you know, what I think it was like a, almost a 39 inch vertical leap. So he can certainly get up and go get the ball, even if he is a little bit undersized. So he can play bigger than he is. He times his leaps really, really well. And I'd argue there's been a lot of inconsistent play out of the quarterback um, position over at Michigan. One of the, the detriments as to why, you know, they find themselves in the collegiate playoffs, but never really um, getting over the mountain. But I find Ronnie Bell to be 
Um, slept on tremendously. I think his size discounts him. The lack of just breakaway speed discounts him in, in this day and age as a wide receiver. But I think this is a, another guy who has a great opportunity to crack the the, the 53 really early um, in his rookie season. I think he's crafty. Um, he's very experienced. And this coaching staff will love kind of planting him over the middle and dragging him across the field and watching him get an open as a, I would say, a, a safety net for whomever might be quarterback in the 49ers in the 2023 season. And then the final pick, double down on the linebackers, Jalen Graham out of Purdue. Um, admittedly, I just know he has ex- experience. I could rattle off statistics for you. I know he played in the Big Ten, um, but somebody that didn't watch a lot of tape on, I'll reserve the right to you know, put my at least my two cents out there based on what I see, but I haven't, I haven't seen much just kind of letting you know uh, where we rounded out um, in the draft. I'll get to the undrafted free agents in just a second here, but perplexing, like I said, good, not great. Better than the day before the bar was set rather low. Some positions of need. I do think that there's you should always be adding wide receiver talent to your team, and I love the addition of Ronnie Bell. Just think he's a good football player. I know we need depth at the defensive back, so if you go back to Luter Jr., like that pick, addressing the edge. Where I'm the most perplexed, you know, with Beal, where I'm most perplexed is we didn't really see any offensive linemen. There was some talented offensive linemen that went early in the fourth, even early in the fifth, that if you really had them on your big board in those draft rooms, you didn't want to pack. I mean, we need depth there. Regardless if you think you have your starting five, we've, we've battled that war of attrition year over year. Um, you know, are we really putting all of our eggs in the bat in our basket of, of who we drafted late in the draft last year? Um, some undrafted free agents from last season and maybe some undrafted free agents from this um, post draft as well. I just find that perplexing. Um, you know, why there's we're having this quarterback controversy due to injuries to both of the young quarterbacks. I just would find this to be an opportunity to try to find somebody to solidify. I think the biggest problem I have with this overall, and, and part of this is based on where we were drafting, is I think Kyle and John are so reliant upon finding those diamonds in the rough, which they have, I'll give them credit, they have done well in the past with finding a fifth-round gem in George Kittle, right? A late third in Fred Warner and watching him blossom. A fifth in Dre Greenlaw, Elijah Mitchell, um, the list of Spencer Burford, like the, the list goes on. Like they, Tolanoa Hofunga, they have found Demo, they have found contributing talent in the back half of the draft before. But some of these picks just feel like a, an arrogance around that I'm going to have the ability to, to do that again. And I don't need to go find a top shelf player. I know the team is stacked. I know there are not necessarily roster spots to be quote unquote had. But yeah, they are. Every roster spot is up for grabs. If you get outplayed by a superior talent, so be it. You know what I mean? I don't care if you've been there for a year or two years. It's I hate going back to the old Jim Harbaugh mantra, but iron sharpens iron. Like, let's go get, let's not concede. Let's just go find the best talent that we can. And I'm not claiming to know more than, you know, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and all these scouts that are out there doing it. Like, that's their job. Right, they live and breathe this. I'm just giving you my opinion on, on how I I feel about it, how I see it, and I think I would have done some things differently. But all in all, walking out of rounds four, five, six, and seven, I feel better than how I felt at the end of round three. It just felt 
um, a little bit more like maybe there is the diamond in the rough. Maybe there is that contributor um, that that's low cost and all of a sudden is becomes a, a budding, you know, a potential budding star in the league. And I think they went for elite characteristics, right? Um, you're hearing things, team captains, leaders, right? That's what you see on the, the Daniel Jeremiah boards, et cetera. I think that's what they're looking for who would fit with the, the 49er mantra. I'm just still perplexed about the lack of addressing the offensive line amongst the 11 draft picks that, that we had. We made nine in total. Now the undrafted free agent perspective. So I'm going to have to read this off. I'll apologize because I, I don't have them memorized off the top of my head. But here's where they started to address the offensive line a little bit more. Joey Fisher, an offensive lineman out of, of Shepherd University. Um, D2 school, all intents and purposes, everything you hear was that he was a combine snub. Um, he actually, if you put his workout statistics against those that took place at the combine he outperformed every offensive lineman essentially in every car um in every drill if you will but those are characteristics those are traits um you know what does that amount to have no idea i know some people had him pegged to definitely get drafted and he wasn't so maybe there's a there's a diamond in the rough or a win there somebody who contribute two three four years down the line another offensive lineman out of hawaii ill manning um Started 40 plus games at left tackle. So now we're now we're talking experienced individuals at the actual position, some depth pieces, some camp bodies. See how it goes. Another offensive piece, center Corey Luciano from from Washington played in the Pac-12. Gotta like that. Um, finds his way to an NFL roster to, to start here. Not a not a not a bad look for, for that individual. But again, what do what do we know? Undrafted free agent. Let's see how this plays out. Um you know, debt de potential depth behind Brunskill, although I don't see them carrying two centers, you know, on game day. So let's see how that works. Fullback Jack, uh, Jack Coletto from, from Oregon State. This guy's played fullback. He's played linebacker. Um, I think he's just kind of a, a nice little tool to, to have. Um, probably grooming in the, in the wait to see, you know, what goes on with Juszczyk, you know, a year or two. This just feels like a practice squad um, stash. Best case scenario for, for Jack Coletto. And then here, here's where we get into, you know, some some funner names, you know, back to the old Shanahan mantra. Good news. No running back drafted in the third round or in any portion of this draft by the San Francisco 49ers. Two undrafted free agent running backs. You got Ronald DeWatt from UTEP and Kalan LeBourne from Marshall. You all know what what the Shanahan family done has done in the past with undrafted um with undrafted running backs. And that's why we were always so perplexed when they were spending third round picks in consecutive years. Like look at the production you have gotten from undrafted uh, players in the past. Like why not go to the well another time? And and this time it feels a little bit more consistent um, with their, their lineage at the running back position. Then you also have um, more defensive back depth. This is more prudent for camp right? Injury, et cetera. So you have Deshaun Jameson played at Texas. You have Avery Young um, comes out of, of Rutgers. You know, Avery Young's an interesting piece. I'm a New Jersey guy, so pretty familiar with Rutgers football. Big, big body defensive back, 6'1 plus, 200 pound plus, um, has played basically every position in the defensive backfield. So feels very much like a Steve Wilkes kind of guy, uh, kind of chameleon-esque and can blend him and, and has an opportunity. I, I think, you know, that the well-roundedness of his game gives him an opportunity, whether it's on specials, um, an injury. We'll see. Um, maybe I'm biased because just, uh, again, played his collegiate ball here um, in New Jersey. 
You have a defensive lineman, uh, Spence Wage from North Dakota State, former Trey Lance teammate. See how um, that that plans out. Admittedly, don't know much about him at all. And then the last piece was a linebacker, Mariano Sori Marin from from Minnesota. Uh, I know there was a talk of uh, wide receiver Jadakiss. Um, I've seen some some jokes out there, but then he refuted that the, the 49ers did actually sign him to an undrafted free agent contract. So that's where we are. Um, again, I, I always refrain on, on giving grades. I like to look at back on the, the drafts two, three, four years down the line. And even then, like, who cares, right? <laughs> Moving on to the next draft. Totally get it. Day three looked better. But I'm not I'm not thrilled. Um you know, I think there was an opportunity based on having 11 picks, which is something that you don't have often in a draft, to package and find six or seven players, right? Six or seven players um, that you're either stashing, right, or have their way to um, find find themselves into the lineup in, in some capacity because they excel. We see this all the time. Lower-level competition, folks that are slept on, you know, at the collegiate level just need an opportunity to shine, and, th- you know, they mature right before your eyes, right on the football field, you know, when they can get that that attention from the coaching staff that you can get at the, the NFL level to maximize their talent. So we'll see, but by and large, I, I think there's uh, still some holes to be filled on this team. I stand by my belief that the reality is why our most immediate competition in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles and Seattle Seahawks, at least to me through this draft on paper got better. I mean, you saw, he, Jeffrey Laurie out there um, and doing it all over again, uh, Howie Roseman. And now let's bring another talented running back to the stable after we just lost Miles Sanders and DeAndre Swift and making that trade. So, and, and you can argue that they don't have many holes to fill either, even with an exodus of talent because they have people on the back burner. So, you know, I, I see us, I don't want to say we, we took a step backwards. It's hard to say you took a step backwards when you add actual physical bodies to the team and you don't know what they are yet. I'll say we're status quo as we were heading into the draft. And for me, it feels like the two um, most immediate teams that provide us difficulty that we both, we play one twice this year, one once this year in the regular season, they got better. No way around it. They drafted well. They did very well with their picks. Um, so we'll see how how it plays out. We've got a long time from now until uh, camp, uh, until the regular season or preseason games, and then the regular season. But by and large, appreciate you tuning in to, to Island Forty Nine. Help me out, please. Please hit the like. Um, please subscribe. Sign up for those notifications. Leave comments. Do my best to be active with y'all. I know we we're not all going to agree. Uh, I know you'll label me as a, a GM sitting in the basement of my house. You're correct. Uh, sitting in the basement of my house. Um, but certainly not don't consider myself a, a general manager of any team. I just I'm just a big fan who just wants to talk ball and I'm just gonna give you my opinion and I welcome all opinions. You won't get shit on because of your opinion. We all see things through a, through a different lens, but that's part of the fun of being a fan, not taking it too personal and let's let's just have good conversation. So again, I'm Weston Smith. appreciate you tuning tuning into to Island 49. I'll be back to recap the draft under my own accord. And I certainly expect over the next week or two, I'm going to have a couple guests here um, and, and we'll talk about how we think the 49ers fare moving forward, most notably coming out of the to draft till next time. <laughs>